I had my own bow and I was like, yeah, I think I want to hunt with this thing and, and try my hand at it. And so then you know, I went through the whole hunter's ed process. Yeah, it's magic. It's just witchcraft. Like if, like a shaman, like blessing them before their hunt. I don't know what they're doing. And I'm getting close. I'm getting close. And I'm like 90 yards. I'm like, this is freaking sweet. And a freaking helicopter comes flying up the bottom and like flies right over the herd. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I, I go to shows and um, get to talk to people about camo and, you know, be just an ambassador for the brand, for the women's brand. This is basically just like, like technical gear. This isn't clothes. I'm like, it's exactly what it is. It's gear. Like your clothing is your gear. I mean, you're spot on. I seriously look like Sasquatch out there just squatching around in the field, just walking right up to him, like all willy nilly. And he just shoots them. So I'm belly crawling and I get close and the freaking decoy pops out and it comes open. I mean, I had a bull bugle like a foot away from me in my face. Coolest freaking thing ever. I mean, and that was like one of my first experiences. I'll never forget that. And like that sound still like pierces my ears. This is Sadie Kennel and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 34. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 34 of Living Country in the City. Hopefully all seasons have started off with a bang, or a twang I suppose, or a snap. I don't know, you know, how would you describe the sound of bow? Well, let's just say I hope you've had a great start to your season. Uh, As of the date this is being recorded, I'm about a week out from my trip to chase Idaho elk with my bow, and I'll tell you one thing, I could not be more excited or anxious to get out there. So I hope you all be wishing me luck because I'm going to need as much of it as I can possibly get. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop. 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Now, today I'm chatting with uh, Sadie Kennel out of Idaho. Sadie is Women's Ambassador for Sitka, Brand Ambassador for Swarovski, and Idaho Regional Rep for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. A lot of fun to chat with. Sadie, thank you so much for hopping on the show with me today. Always, yeah. I'm excited to, to be talking to you. So uh, I always like to start out with just a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got your start in hunting and the outdoors. Okay. So um, I am from Idaho, um, born and raised here. Um, I didn't, like most people grow up hunting with their dads or whatever, and um, I actually didn't do that. I got into it later in life, about when I was 18, um, and I got into bows and shooting archery and stuff like that um, a little bit younger in high school, and I thought that was really cool. And then I met some people that, um, hunted with 
bows and I was like, well, that's even cooler. Like I'm going to go do that. And I always wanted to hunt, you know, I grew up around it. Grandpa did it. Dad did it. Uh, but I never got the opportunity to. So, um, then later on, and then, you know, I had a boyfriend or two that kind of showed me the ropes and, um, you know, got lucky that way and had some friends that were nice enough to show me, um, you know, basically how to hike in the woods with a bow and, and, uh, just kind of slowly learned from there. And, um, yeah, so now I'm here. Um, my boyfriend now calls me bow hunting purist cause rifles are pretty <laughs> new to me. So he's, he's taught me quite a bit about rifle hunting the last few years. Um, and like tonight I just, uh, I got my rifle and just got my scope on it. So, um, yeah, I'm still, you know, fairly new to it from what most people say, you know, a lot of people have like, you know, years and years on me and I'd probably have like 10 at this point. So. Well, I was going to say, so this is probably a little bit of the reverse for you, uh, talking yeah. with me, who has, you know, about two weeks under his belt of sitting in a tree stand and then... Uh... <laughs> no, that's cool, though. I mean, like, most people, like, they, they... I feel like a lot of people that do podcasts just are curious and want to learn. So they start interviewing people and then they're like, hey, this is cool. Let's turn it into a podcast because they're always interesting conversations. And I mean, I think it's a less intimidating view from, you know, a listener standpoint to be able to like listen to somebody who's on maybe on the same level as them and learning the same things. And maybe you're asking the same questions that they might be curious about. So, well, that's part of the reason why I started this whole thing is like, I, you know, I, started listening to podcasts that had nothing to do with hunting fairly recently. And then all of a sudden I had this grand idea. It's like, wow, I'm really interested in learning hunting. I should probably actually download some podcasts that have something to do with it. And, you know, there's a, there's a few I, I kind of downloaded. I think I, I think Jay Scott may have been one of my first ones. Yeah. I started listening to it. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, I have no clue what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Like, cause he's super informative, but it's so technical sometimes. Um, and then, you know, I, I started, I, I talked to some of my buddies and I got recommendations and I started listening to Gritty. I started listening to Rich Outdoors and a lot of these guys. And, um, you know, especially Cody Rich, uh, he, you can, you can sense his like excitement and curiosity talking yeah. about that. And, um, and that was so that was part of the reason why I wanted to do that is I really wanted to reach out to people like myself and give them an opportunity to kind of ask the dumb questions through me. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, and most people are too intimidated. You know, everybody's a professional now and nobody wants to ask the dumb questions. Nobody wants to ask the easy stuff. I was the same way. I'm like, I should know this, right? Like everybody else knows it. I feel stupid asking it. So, I mean, that's really cool. It's very admirable of you to, to put yourself out there as the <laughs> guinea pig. <laughs> oh yeah. I've definitely had, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big tough dude, like, like all of them. And I, you know, I like yeah. to feel like I know everything and be an expert, but I promised yeah. myself before I started this, that I would always be willing to ask those questions and not present myself in in a way that just wasn't wasn't real and wasn't myself and so that's always I think given me the ability to to swallow my pride a little bit and yeah <laughs> well for sure I mean and that's I, I you're learning that now I mean there's a lot of guys out there who are just like oh yeah I'm gonna go pick up a bow and go hunt and don't swallow their pride before they start that and you know their bad things happen or wounded animals happen because of dumb mistakes or you know all sorts of stupid stuff and and mistakes that didn't need to happen because they were too proud and just wanted to be the best and wanted to be the expert but I think once you get that like humble point 
you know, even before you start, it's perfect. I mean, that's a good way to be. Like, I didn't know how to act. Like, I, when I started, I, all this, like, social media and stuff, it was kind of there, but it wasn't as strong as it is now. And so I didn't feel like I needed to be this badass whoever. I just needed to, like, I just wanted to go out there. You know, I just, I was kind of, like, bebopping around, walking down trails and stuff, not <laughs> knowing what I was doing, carrying a bow around, wearing some, like, cheap camo. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, so that's really, that's really awesome. Well, if nothing else, like, that's a great way to start. You know, it's... Yeah, for sure. With all the social media, it's kind of tough now. And I catch myself doing it where, I mean, admittedly, like, I had some money saved up that I... I made a choice to spend to get ready and, you know, buy a little bit nicer stuff. But we, t I, I think when you look at all of this, it's really easy to find yourself thinking, I need this to be successful. And I have to remind myself now kind of when I'm at the point where I'm coming down to the line with certain things and I'm having to, you know, I, I'm pretty much having to go with what I got at this point. Yeah. And I'm That's like, perfect. And I think to myself, like, oh, I didn't get this belt pouch I wanted. How can I be so <laughs> stupid? Everything's falling apart. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, yeah, really? I get it. I get it. And like, you know, what? Well, that's what the market's for. I mean, it's it's to sell the best of whatever the best is to everybody else who needs it and wants it. And yeah, yeah I do the same thing. I use the best gear I can find, but I spend enough days on the mountain most times that like, you know, it's, it makes a difference. It really does. But you know, when you're just starting, I think everybody deserves to be miserable for a little bit until they <laughs> figure it out. I think that's how you have to do it. You know, rip your pants and have to deal with it for the next five or six days. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like it's one of those things is you're going to have to sacrifice one way or the other. And if you don't have the money to sacrifice, you know, you're either going to sacrifice time or comfort. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things you have to sacrifice somewhere and you've just got to make the choice of what's, what you are able to do, uh, what you value the most, whether that is comfort, uh, or having that extra money to go on another hunt later or whatever, yeah. whatever it may be, uh, you have to make that choice. And I don't think we all realize that, you know, I think we just want a little bit of everything and, yeah. uh, tend to set the bar too high and then let that as a new hunter, I know it's easy to find myself letting that discourage me for what I'm about to do. Yeah. Albeit at this point, I don't think, I think I could probably have both of my legs chopped off and I would still find a way to get out at this yeah. point. Um, I would actually, <laughs> Sydney, if you're listening to this, uh, we'll, we'll have a conversation about that later. Uh, <laughs> Sid, Sid was one of my prior guests. He is, a, all a, right. A bad He's a triathlete, a hunter, and oh, a wow. uh, double amputee. Um, <laughs> I bad I think is kind of an understatement yeah. for him. That's really cool. Um, so you were talking a little bit about you know you grew up around hunting. Now, uh, now do you think it wasn't uh, you weren't quite as involved? Is that do you kind of felt feel like that was at all because you were the girl in the family or oh definitely because I was the girl in the family like my dad legitimately said to me one time is girls don't do this and so I was just like all right girls don't do it that's cool and 
Um, I mean, I rode around in the truck with him, you know, when he was going to go like jump shoot pheasant or something. But I mean, besides that, that wasn't something I did. You know, I didn't get to shoot the guns. I, I plinked around with like a you know, little pellet gun or something. But um, my grandpa was a big hunter too. And he actually hunted off mules and had pack mules and stuff. And so, I mean, that, I love that. And I grew up around them and riding mules and everything. And I always, I mean, it was my dream to go to, to elk camp with grandpa and pack in on the mules. And he, um, sad, sad story, but he, he got cancer and passed away when I was 15. So, um, yeah, I, I never got that opportunity, but we had talked about it, you know, because it's becoming a little bit older, probably was able to like take care of myself, carry myself a little bit better out there. So he wouldn't have to worry as much. And I was able to ride and pack the mules. And so, um, yeah, we were getting to that point, but he unfortunately got sick. So then, you know, that, that was always there. Like everybody always tells me like, you're definitely his granddaughter. Like you are the epitome of him so i'm stubborn like him too so it helps <laughs> but that's gotta be that's gotta be awesome anytime somebody tells you that because i know oh yeah i know when i hear stuff like that about uh about my granddad and you know seeing bits of that and or my dad even uh in me i can know that gets me really excited Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I love that because, and everybody's always like, you know what? You're the only one that he liked. I swear. He didn't like anybody <laughs> else. I mean, he just liked you because you would go and hang out with him and play with the stupid mules. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. But yeah, so my affinity and love for mules and hunting, I think came from him. Uh, there you go. Yeah. And so uh, then you had, uh, had all a few of the various boyfriends that would take you out yeah. occasionally. I so, think that happens with a lot of the girls that hunt now. I was I was gonna say I feel like it starts out as one of those things like oh I'm gonna take her out I'm gonna show off a little bit yeah and <laughs> and, and be the yeah. big man and is that right. is that kind of how it how it I, happened a lot you know it it uh I kind of I don't really know I don't, I mean I don't really remember much of it like I had one boyfriend who went all the time and I never went with him I just thought it was really cool I'm like that's really neat like. And that's kind of how the conversation started and like how I like started becoming more interested in it and like seeing like waterfowl and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is really cool. Like that would be a freaking blast. And so like, you know, I went out and, you know, did went on dove hunts or whatever else and um, went on some like other hunts here and there and, um, you know, rode around in trucks or whatever with people looking for animals. And I was like, this is kind of cool. It'd be, it'd be neat to do this one day. And then I had another boyfriend who like finally was like, yeah, let's go. I'll take you out. And I think my first couple trips out, you know, I just went with, and then, um, from there on out. And then I got, um, I had my own bow and I was like, yeah, I think I want to hunt with this thing and, and try my hand at it. And so then, you know, I went through the whole hunter's ed process and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, then ended up going out and, um, I, I can't remember if it was my first year or second year archery hunting. I, I killed a cow. Um, and then from there on out, I was like, yep, done. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah I rec. I haven't even, I haven't even been out yet. And I already, I already know that I've completely changed the course of my life by picking up a bow and oh yeah, buying a, buying an over the counter Idaho tag. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm <laughs> coming been out to Idaho before. I've been for a wedding and I think I've been through Idaho. Uh, okay. But, you know, only re as far as as an adult, only recently for a, a wedding. Um, yeah. But uh, I will be uh, getting quite the glimpse of it in uh, in about a week. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. I think you're going to be here at the perfect time, too. So. But, of course, as we know, there's no good hunting in Idaho. 
Nope. Idaho sucks. There's no good hunting. I mean, you'll be lucky if you even see any critters running around. It's just all bare hillsides. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not beautiful at all. And no, not there is there's no animals. I actually spoke to a game warden the other day and he said all the animals, squirrels included, have left. Yeah, uh, except screw this place. Except for the very angry grizzly bears that want to attack humans. Yeah. That's all that's left in, in all of Idaho. And the badgers. I actually <laughs> have a fun badger story for you, by the way. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, now now I have to hear the badger it story. Goes along, it goes along with the antelope hunts that's been happening. Okay, so it okay. kind of feeds into that a little bit. Well, so speaking of that, um, yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, <laughs> my season, supernatural segue. Um, my... <laughs> Oh, that's why I like having other fun people on with me. (laughs) (laughs) My season's just about to start, uh, but you you guys, uh, you and your boyfriend have been out on uh, chasing some speed goats, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Those dang goats, the desert dragsters, speed goats, pronghorn, antelope, whatever anybody wants to call them. I I have to say... I one of my favorite things about getting into this culture of hunting is learning all the weird crap <laughs> we call things. Like every day, there's some like I swear there's something new, like a uh, ribeye in the sky, or somebody. I I can't remember what the animal was, but somebody was talking about mountain carp the other day, or okay, um, a bird of some sort. Oh uh, no! It was a it was a it was an animal. It was a ground animal. Oh really? Um, but just I don't know. But they called it mountain carp and <laughs> speed goats and thunder chickens yeah. and thunder chickens. I know those ones. I uh, I swear I sit and I like <laughs> I just sit and I like I'll laugh and somebody in my office will be like, "What are you laughing at?" I'm like, "Yeah, you won't think this is funny in the slightest, <laughs> but I think it's hilarious." <laughs> Just animal name, yeah. Oh, there's so many, and like you'll hear them all the time. And everybody, I swear, it depends on where you go, what state, what part of the region, where where you're at in the United States. Like it, whether you're like down south or over east or over west, like you'll hear all sorts of different names for animals, and you're just like, all right, that one's that one's new. I like that one. <laughs> but yeah, antelope or like pronghorn because they're technically pronghorn, but everybody now calls them antelope. I think it's just because it's nicer to say but um well yeah, you know it's so. part of our we're the antelope rome you know it's, yeah it's america <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah nobody nobody there's no pronghorn in in any america song i don't think <laughs> but yeah so uh you guys have been out recently uh having some speed goat shenanigans if you if you will yeah. so I mean, I I think you might have followed my stories a little bit, um, my Instagram stories. I know some people have. And um, I was telling Jason, my boyfriend, that's the other day. I was like, it's it's insane how many like how much positive feedback I got from people. Like it's super appreciated because part of that story, like I just some people make antelope hunting look so easy and it's not like it's really hard. And it kind of depends on like how they're hunting it. Like me, I spot and stalk them every year. I've been hunting them for three years now and have, I've had a ton of close calls. I've let a couple arrows fly and it's just, you know, just the name of the game. And I know that, but this year it was super frustrating. I was just like, this is the year it's going to happen this year. Like I wasn't trying to be too proud and I wasn't trying to be like, I'm a bad, it's going to work. I was just like trying to like talk myself 
into it. I'm like, if I figure if I can like talk myself into it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I swear doing that just made it worse. But um, <laughs> on my stories, I kind of, you know, like took this, this path of just like keeping people updated on what I'm doing in the stories. And I was surprised to see how many people like would message me based off that. We're like, keep at it. Good luck. You're going to get it done. You know, keep your head up, keep your chin up. And like some, some close friends that I know were like, you know, you sound really like just distraught you're doing you're hunting one of the hardest animals there is just keep after it don't let it get you down so it was kind of cool to to see that but yeah so yeah antelope shenanigans are frustrating like (laughs) anybody talks about them now and I'm like you know what just throw that thing in the trash if you have any kind of mount just set it on fire I don't want to ever (laughs) see one of these things again like so frustrated with them be like, guys, guys, Sadie's coming over. We got to take down all the antelope. <laughs> She's gonna trash them. You yeah. walk in, you just see like the bare, like dark spot on the wall where the antelope head was hanging, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny because I'm looking at one right now that's hung in here that Jason shot a few years ago with his rifle tag, and now he has a a beauty of one that he shot with his bow. So does he I'm have it mounted like... with the tongue sticking out at you right now? Or yeah. I know he should because that's basically what it feels like is they're just like haha you suck but that's that's what it is I mean it doesn't really it's frustrating and I'm not mad and you know I'm not like upset about it or anything it's just how hunting goes whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt at midwayusa.com we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So one thing I've heard about antelope, I've had a few people tell me, is it's, it's a very fun animal to hunt in that the you typically get a lot of action involved, they're hard to get up to, but they're not always hard to find. But it seemed like from what I was seeing in your stories is you were also having some difficulty uh, throughout the trip just even locating them. Yeah. So this last weekend, for some reason, they were gone. They disappeared. I don't know. They weren't in their normal areas. I mean, most most of the herds that you know we ended up learning the behaviors of, if they were in one spot, you can find them in like two or three other spots. And they weren't anywhere. Like I found a group of five bucks and... I stalked on them and got 89 yards to one. And this is the funniest part of the story because this is, this is just crap that happens to me, you know? And I don't know if it's because I'm like just being lazy and dumb or if it's just because I'm just have bad luck, but I was belly crawling and I'm getting really close and I'm like, and I'm ranging this big old sagebrush in front of me. And, and, and it has a little bit of like not rolling train, but there's like enough, like just humps and stuff here and there that I can get behind them and the five bucks are behind this big sagebrush I'm like perfect and so I range it 19 more yards I'm like sweet I can belly crawl 19 more yards draw my bow back sit up and just have a perfect like 70 yard shot and I mean because most of the time I mean you're lucky if you get under 60 let alone like some guys are shooting them at 30 yards spawn stock I don't even know how they do it but um witchcraft so, absolute yeah, witchcraft exactly. I think yeah it's magic it's just witchcraft like <laughs> they, I have no idea how they have like a shaman like blessing them before their hunt I don't know what they're doing but <laughs> something happens but um yeah so I'm out there and so I have this decoy and it's it's one of those decoys where you can like fold it up kind of like those like window visors so it's folded Bolt. up yeah and 
usually have like a band around it. So I took that off just in case I needed like a quick deploy. I put it in the back of my pants and I'm like, okay, it's good right there because I can belly crawl with it. I'm good to go. You can probably guess where this is going. So I'm belly crawling yep. and I get close and the freaking decoy pops out and it comes open. And yeah. And so then all of a sudden this big noise happens, something flashes and, you know, the bucks just blow up and they run a hundred yards from me. And I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't do that myself because I was so just like amateur hour. This is something that I would do, of course. Like I've been humbled so many times this year already that it's just like I'm still an amateur. I know I'm an amateur. I don't deserve any of this. <laughs> I need to work my ass off for it. And I was just like, after that, I was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. And I couldn't find any antelope after that. Like that was it for the day. And I was, I was like, that was my one shot. That was my one opportunity. And it was the, like one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen. It just, it sucked. So it was uh, funny though. Only, only to me. Yeah. So, so what would you say, um, what would you say looking back at, you know, you did kind of two hunts, you did the one with your boyfriend and then the one, uh, this last, uh, this last weekend, Labor Day weekend, uh, you went out just you and the pup. Yeah. Um, what would you say looking, uh, looking at this last hunt, what would you say that you did right? And what would you say that you would look back other than putting uh, pop-up decoys in your back pocket, <laughs> what would you say that, that you really feel like you needed to improve on and uh, kind of in that, in that range? Like what would you think would have improved your hunt mm -hmm. if, if you had worked on it? And what, uh, what do you feel like you really did well? It's hard to say. Cause like I, so Jason, and I did two and then I did one by myself. Um, I mean, there's so many variables. There's so I, every, after every stock, after every time I'm like, I could have done this different. I could have done that different. And it all just like with antelope hunting, it's like, you're either lucky or you're not. And I've gotten so much advice from so many people around me that just like that have killed them. But applying that advice is like, you kind of have to apply it to the same situation they were in or else it, it doesn't seem like it'll work. Cause I've tried it. I'm like, all right, you know, somebody gave me this advice. I'm going to try it. And it doesn't quite work. And I, I think it's because I'm in like a different terrain situation. The wind's different. The the sun's different. I mean, cause it's just blaring sun the entire time and it's hot. And most of the time I swear it was always windy and where these animals like to hang out was always downwind. And like you couldn't, and it was either swirling wind or downwind or big wind gusts or something. And then if they would spook um, and they weren't downwind of me, they would run downwind of me. So it was like, I felt like no matter what I did. And there was some, t some times where I was like, gosh, there was like, if I would have just like crawled behind this bush instead of that bush or like taken like two extra minutes of time and like waited just a little bit longer to move or, you know, something else. And like, and I tried something new this year using a decoy. I've never used a decoy before because where I'm at, they always spook to decoys. It doesn't matter. Like you pull a decoy out, they're gone. They're miles away at that point. Hmm. So, um, and, but they're kind of starting to show a little bit of early rutting activity, which they never start to show this time of year. I mean, it's usually like end of September during our rifle hunts and those are draw tags. So, um, I mean, you have to put in for those, the, the archery hunt is an actually an unlimited draw tag. So you have to put in for it to get it, but you can still get it. Um, so, 
it was just kind of odd. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this decoy thing. Well, I figured out that the decoy kind of works um, with lone bucks. So either a group of bucks or just a buck by himself, it tend, tends to work or it did work for me at least a little bit better than it would have worked with a herd. With the herds, there's just like millions of eyes and they have like, I think somebody told me it's like 270 degrees of like peripheral vision or some something like that, like an insane amount of peripheral vision. Like they can see anything. It doesn't matter. Head down, head up, facing away from you. I swear they can see you. So um, it was just a lot of different variables. Like it didn't seem like there was anything I could do right or fix on the stock. Like it was just guessing. Like maybe if I would have waited a little bit longer here, maybe if I would have came up this other side, maybe if I would have, you know, went the, the harder route and belly crawled an extra 150 yards up the other way. Maybe I could have gotten it then. Maybe if I would have like set up the decoy and belly crawled away from it and snuck around them, like it just all seemed so uh, like guess and check, guess and check, guess and check. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think for the people that it works for, they try something and it works. And I mean, there was a plenty of times where I was like this last weekend by myself, I had four encounters at uh, 90, 80 to 90 yards. And I'm not going to shoot that far. I mean, some people, I, I know a lot of guys who are like, yeah, I'll shoot 90 yards on an antelope, whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not willing to do that. So I, I'm not going to. And some guys like, we have this buddy that was hunting up there and he was just like, why? Like we, we called him bebopping around out in the field with them. <laughs> like I, and I called him, I, I told him like, you seriously look like Sasquatch out there. You're just squatching around in the field, just walking right up to him, like all willy nilly. And he just shoots them. And he, so he shot one. I'm like, how does this even work for you? You're, you're like, is this the squatch technique? I don't know how that happens. <laughs> He's just like, Hey guys, what's up? I'm I'm going to come over there. Uh, don't don't worry, nothing's wrong. I'm just gonna yeah. walk over to you and shoot you. Yeah, cool. It's like yeah, cool. he just goes in, just walks over, and just like gets the herd going crazy, and they're running around circles and just shoots them. I'm like, all right, well that's cool. I mean, I guess that works. <laughs> so, and then I got some advice. Somebody's like, well, just like, like stalk an ambush or spot an ambush, and I'm like spot okay well whatever. So I was like this week, and I'm like screw it, I'm just gonna spot them and ambush the out of them. So. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, so just like so much crap. So this weekend, this last weekend by myself, it was just like a lot of not caring. So the second day I finally found the antelope again and it was after a lot of driving around and I found them in, in a spot where I was hoping, where we were hoping they would be for the last three weekends and they haven't been. And finally they were there. And so I found one buck by himself. So I'm like, you know, belly crawling under barbed wire fence trying to get to him and then I set up the decoy and he just stops and he's like staring at the decoy and I try like the technique where you set it up and then like just stalk towards him hoping that he'll just pay attention to that and of course like I'm parked close so he's looking at the rig and then looking at the decoy <laughs> and I'm like okay maybe that'll distract him enough that he's not even going to see me and I have the dog with me so my my car is running and the dog's in the car sitting in the AC just watching me like belly crawling through the sagebrush <laughs> he's probably like what are you doing like, but, that looks yeah. like fun I want to join <laughs> I think he did. I think he was getting pissed. Like when I would, every time I'd go back to the car after a stock, he'd just look at me like seriously <laughs> again. And so, yeah, but so I'm stalking after this buck and that buck I got 98 yards from, and then he blew up and he was gone and the, you know, my wind was bad and, but I didn't have any other option, like where the best way to get to him and belly crawl to him. It was either 
play my wind and, tr- and hopefully like I'll get it right or the wind's going to swirl and I'm going to be screwed. So he didn't end up liking something and he was gone. And I'm like, all right, well, there's more down here. There's another herd down here. Let me go try them. And they were actually in some big terrain. I'm like, awesome. And they're getting down to the flats and to some willows. I'm like, okay, so I can follow this down. If they work towards the willows, I can just get into the willows. And it was kind of cool because I was like, sweet, this will, this might work out perfectly. And last year, actually, in that same spot, I was actually drawing back 50 yards on a buck and it, I mean, took forever to belly crawl through these willows and like get down there. It was like two hours, I think. Finally got down there, starting to draw back on this buck. And nobody had been down this dirt road that kind of skirts this all day. Nobody, not a single soul. Forest service truck comes flying down the road, goes up the herd. Yeah. And so this year they're down in that same area. And I'm like, sweet, I might get my opportunity. This is it. And I got so excited. And so I'm down in there. And I'm getting close. I'm getting close. And I'm like 90 yards. I'm like, this is freaking sweet. And a freaking helicopter comes flying up the bottom and like flies right over the herd. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I am cursed. I swear I have zero luck. Like the worst luck of anybody I know, like a freaking helicopter, not a rig driving down the road, a helicopter and no helicopters fly in this area, but they happen to be flying. And so they flew right over the herd. Herd blows up. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? I was done at that point. Considering like, no. uh, doing a spot and stock on that helicopter at that point. Seriously. I was like, what? How much trouble would I get in if I shot that helicopter right now? <laughs> like, that was all I could think. Like, just not just not hurt the helicopter. Just send one through this guy's leg. Because they were, like, hanging out the side of it. No idea what they were doing. <laughs> but I was like, if I just, just poke one in his leg real quick. Just to teach him a little bit of a lesson. <laughs> like, I know they saw me. I know they saw the herd. And they just flew right over him. So... Uh, I actually ended up trying to stalk that herd again. I, I found them again and they were like, kind of unstalkable, but some of them, I was driving down this little road and uh, some of them were actually crossing the road and crossing the fence to go back towards the trees. And I was like, sweet, this is awesome. And they were literally standing in the road. And I'm like, I wonder how close they'd let me like drive this road because <laughs> they're used to cars, whatever. And so I was like, all right. So I get to like, I think I was like a hundred yards and I'm like, they're not moving. So I was like, screw it. I'm ambushing. <laughs> so I just grew up on my bow get out of the car and start just like going as fast as I can they stand there and let me get 80 yards I'm like please stay there let me get 10 more yards and so like I slow down a little bit and I get my arrow knocked I'm walking I range him I'm like all right 10 more yards and so I'm gonna count my steps I'm like this is it this is it and I start to draw back and they take off I'm like dang it oh uh, <laughs> so close and then that was, I think that was the last stock for the day. And then it got to be like 90 something degrees again. And that herd was blown up and I couldn't find any more. So then I took the dog to the river and fished a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Animal hunting apparently. Oh, uh, there you go. So now, uh, the badger story. Yeah. Okay. So the badger story, I'm glad you reminded me of that. So, um, so last weekend, Jason shot his, the weekend before that, um, I found this lone buck, or we found this lone buck. Um, it was the eclipse weekend, was that, which was really cool because the eclipse was happening as we were stalking this buck. And so um, we're stalking through, and there's a bunch of terrain and stuff. And uh, it was in the same actual like area of field where those five were that I was stalking this last weekend. So that's kind of neat. So I'm like stalking through, and I'm like watching him. And I'm like crouched down really low, kind of under this hump. And I'm like moving as fast as I can. And I see something move out of the corner of my eye. And I look and 
all of a sudden this badger starts hissing at me. Oh, and at that point, geez. I'm just like, crap. And because he lunged at me and started like hissing at me and growling. And I'm like, oh, my God. So like I just ran like as fast as I could the other way. <laughs> and I didn't even care at that point. I was like, screw this antelope. I don't want to go toe to toe with a badger. And so I'm like running away from the badger. And I stop and I'm like, when I look back at Jason and he was like, seriously, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to get in a fight with a badger right now. I no, it's not something I want to do. Would you do this weekend? Got attacked by a badger. Like nobody wants to say that. But then after that, I was like, why didn't I just turn around and shoot the thing? Cause a badger pelt would be really cool to have. Yeah, so there you go. After that, but I was like, I'm more worried about getting attacked by the thing, not shooting it. Yeah. Badger. Are badger considered like vermin or whatever out there? Or... I think so, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a there's not a season on them or anything. A lot of people shoot them. I think some people try to trap them and stuff. They're angry creatures. <laughs> so they're kind of they're like they're out there with like coyotes and yeah, and all exactly. that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure honestly if I've ever actually seen a live badger anywhere. Yeah, I mean kind of like down in southern idaho there's a million of them i swear and they're gonna be like out in like you know coyote territory and where the jackrabbits live and stuff but for the most part they just hang out in their holes all day i i've only seen a few i see most of them at night but not much during the day but that was the only one i've seen during the day it was really odd and it was the biggest badger i've ever seen so after that i was like dang it could have shot him could have had a sweet pelt but <laughs> oh, wow. actually really soft. <laughs> how how big do they get Oh, I don't know. Like the one, I mean, he was like the size of my dog. I swear. No, he was, I mean, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I mean, are we, are we talking like five foot long here? No, probably not that. Like maybe like, I don't know. I'm not good with like actually judging feet. So like, so I'm, I'm going to guess, uh, because, because people can't actually see how you're holding your hands out right here. Um, don't worry. I do that all the time here too. And then realize I'm gesturing um so i mean you're looking what probably about three feet something yeah maybe yeah something, something like that and... yeah the bigger ones yeah maybe a little bit smaller than that but i mean they get really wide though like it's just super like wide and fat looking like i every time i see i don't know if you're familiar with it but some people might be but there's the fox and the hound like the yeah the kids. yeah and there's like the mean old badger in that every time i see a badger i think of that like mean old badger <laughs> coming out of his hole like yeah, every time. So that's I saw that badger, and that was the first thing I thought of. Oh, funny! He was coming out of his hole to yell at me and tell me to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome so, for that. <laughs> so, are you the fox or the hound, though? Here's the that's the question. Oh man, that's a good yeah, that's a good question. It's deep. It's this is the reason why people listen to this podcast is is these deep philosophical questions, and yeah. it really causes everyone to examine it'll take a good close look and examine them themselves sure. you know that's I've considered that but i mean i i should look and see if i'm the fox or the hound that's a great question there you go or are we truly one thing or can we be both oh or wow. are you this or can... are you the badger you know usually i'm the badger <laughs> i'm yelling at people tell them to get out of here Oh my gosh. I don't do drugs, but I feel like I'd need to smoke weed to get any further into this conversation. Um <laughs> oh, that would be fascinating. Yeah, you'd be it would be like a whole hole or foxhole right there, or badger hole, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
So anyway, moving beyond <laughs> the deep philosophical discussion, were we ever on track? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, so tell me a little bit. You are the, the Idaho regional rep for, for BHA. Um, I actually, uh, it was a lot of fun. We just had uh, Ty and Grant from BHA. They came in and did a little bit of a California tour. And yeah. uh, we did some, some fun uh, stuff with Hike to Hunt. And we did... Yeah. Um, couple of couple of local pint nights and just had a good time and it's it's definitely a little different you know I don't know how it was in some of the other locations as they were going up and down California but it's definitely we had a good crew out for uh, Los Angeles because uh, it's it is tough if anybody from Los Angeles will understand what I mean when I say like it's tough to get people from Los Angeles to commit to anything and it's also very tough to get them to go anywhere like before or immediately after work unless it's within like a mile of their house <laughs> because just the further out you get from your house it's like exponentially longer during traffic mm -hmm. and it's yeah. it's not like oh 20 miles that's going to take me 25 minutes to get there no yeah. 20 miles could take you anywhere from 45 to minutes to like 3 hours depending oh, on man. the time of day. And Yeah, no thank you. And so we had a good good group come out uh for the for the pint nights and and it was just it was fun connecting with other hunters in LA cuz we can get very isolated in this area. You know, it's just yeah. not a super conducive place to archers and hunters. Honestly, I, I don't, when I think of LA, I don't think of hunters. I don't think of hunting. And like, I didn't know that they actually existed in LA. Like you would think that most of them would move away from there. It's, we, we try. We definitely try. <laughs> it's a very um, small community of, of LA hunters. You know, it, and it's funny. It's, I talk, I talk with a lot of people and we're out here. Uh, you know, some people are like me, just born and raised here. And this is home and we've gotten into hunting one way or the other. And there is a good community of hunters. Um, we have a lot of public land out here, um, like a huge amount of public land. And it's just, I think because it's such an unfriendly environment, we tend to isolate ourselves a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's also a little bit of pride, I think, in that and, and like kind of <laughs> wanting to feel like I've said it before, like, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm the sole hunter that lives in Los Angeles. There's no one else but me kind of a, well, I mean, that's a kind big, of a thing. a big title, a big task to take on living in LA and calling yourself a hunter. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of backlash when you talk to people, like you're saying at work or whatever, you, nobody around you is probably interested in what you have to say or show them <laughs> because it's probably hunting related and they're probably like throwing their nose up at you. Like, Oh no, I don't want to hear that. Well, it's, I'm pretty lucky at work. Like, Everyone there may not understand it, but it's not too like there's a there's a few people that are are very anti mm -hmm. um but even a lot of the people that are anti hunting just they more just don't want to hear about it they're not yeah. like super aggressively against it and a lot of that comes from to uh, uh our head of security he's he was actually my mentor when it comes to, kind of when it comes to getting into backcountry hunting oh cool um he is he's just one of the more influential guys at our office and he has been hunting since he was a kid um that's awesome and so everyone knows it like and he he rolls in in a in a big puffy sitka vest or you know he'll, <laughs> yeah um 
it'll roll in and, and we actually started talking because I came in one day and I'd slapped a new like real tree skin on the back of my on the back of my laptop. And he he looked at that, he's like, Hey, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need to have a discussion here. And so, you know, I found out he was into that and some people were like, Hey, you gotta go talk to Samson. You know, he's you know, he's he's into that all that hunting stuff too. Yeah. You know, and, and so uh we've talked we've talked a lot. Um it actually gets to the point where I have to be careful on which days I like if I'm heading out of the office, I have to be careful on which days I like stop by his office. <laughs> Because there have been times we both like sat down and we'll pull up Google Maps and we'll start like looking at spots and then he'll be like, oh, have you seen this resource? I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, have you tried out this whatever? Like I found this cool <laughs> supplement or something. And all of a yeah. sudden it's like nine o'clock at night. <laughs> and you're still It's all talking. dark. Oh, everyone's everyone's awesome. left. But yeah. That's really cool. But yeah, so you are the Idaho regional rep. Tell, uh, tell me a little bit about what you do for BHA in Idaho. So um, the regional rep thing is kind of new for Idaho, but it's a pretty cool thing that they've done. Like, it's just another way of reaching out and a little bit of a different way um, to, you know, get out there and talk to people and, and be a resource for people other than like, you know, our chairmans and and that kind of thing. Um, so there's um, all the hunting regions in Idaho where I'm at happens to be region three. So that covers a, a huge chunk of area um, from like McCall down to, you know, southern Idaho. So um so region three, um, there's actually two or three of us as regional reps. I know uh, me and one other guy for sure are pretty involved. And so, um, we're, we kind of like try to push like, you know, Tyler, the other regional rep, he's done a lot of the hunt and hike stuff. He's pretty available for that. And he's done a lot of that. I've been traveling a lot, so I've been around too much and I did a couple of them. Um, but, um, we kind of just like try to help out at events or get the word out. We had a backcountry in the backyard and Tyler and I went to that and um, worked the booth and helped out with that. Um, we try to help plan events. If anybody wants to backcountry in the backyard or pint nights or whatever else, we, we try to just like plan and coordinate and get people on top of stuff. Um, we, we try to be like a resource for most people to come to. Um, so like there's just more information um, available to people, more people to be able to ask questions to because, you know, our chairmans and everything are just so, you know, they have so much going on most of the time that it's just another resource and it's kind of like an easier resource to reach. And it's people that are, they're generally um, known within the community or, or um, who have a pretty good presence in the community who can be that resource for people who might know other people and know how to reach out. So recently, so last week I actually went to a pint night um, up in McCall at one of the breweries up there. It's, it's this little town in Idaho. So if people are familiar with Idaho, they know McCall, but um it's north of me, a couple hours north of Boise here. Um, and yeah, that was a pretty fun one. Like, I, I mean, there's not a BHA presence in the McCall area. And so it was really cool to see as many people um, come out to the Pike Nine as they did. Um, I mean, we had all walks of life. Like, it, it's right next to where the smoke jumpers are at, based out of McCall. So we had some smoke jumpers okay. coming over and, and chatting. And then we had, um, you know, hunters. We had non-hunters. We had just, you know, public land lovers. And, you know, it's a lot. It's a huge outdoor town so there's a lot of people a lot of walks of life um around there and there was one there's one lady who actually came who who i mean she kind of started a really hard like really harsh conversation of just like kind of taking us on off track and like getting very political and you know it, it was just it started a really really heavy conversation and we're like well 
yeah, we can talk about that, but you know, that's not something we want to share like with the entire crowd here. And, you know, and so we ended up having a really long conversation with her and it, it was over an hour of just like, you know, chatting with her and, and everything. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, all the different people there. So that's kind of what we do. Um, we'll be really involved with Rendezvous because the Rendezvous is going to be in Boise this year or in 2018. So that'll be awesome. Um, it's gonna be really, really, really sweet. So what's the rendezvous? So BHA rendezvous is kind of just a, a gathering of everybody, all areas, all walks. So usually it's in Missoula. Um, it's been held there for, oh my gosh, I don't even know how many years now, a lot of years. And it, so they do like um, a million things during, I swear there's seminars and there's um, there's storytelling nights and they did a, um, a film night and um, raffles and silent auctions and vendors. And so, um, like, um, in Missoula this last year, this last spring, um, it was really cool to see some of the vendors that came out. So like Ryan Callahan and, and his buddy, I can't, I can't think of his name right now. They came and did a seminar, um, on like basically using every part of the animal and cooking it and eating it. And that one was really cool. It took a lot away from that. And then right. Are you talking Steve Ranella or Giannis? No, it was, I can't think of his name. Um, it, it wasn't somebody that's on the podcast with him or that that's done the podcast, um, kind of thing when, when he's been on there with Steve, it's, um, one of his other buddies, I, I cannot think of his name to save my life. Um, I think it might've been Randy, maybe. I, I don't know. I can't quote me on it. I can't think of it right now. But, um, yeah, so he, he did that one. Then Randy Newberg came and did one and we just had all sorts of different people that came in. Um, I want to say Greg from Keep It Public. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Greg um, from Keep It Public was there and he did a seminar. And I mean, a lot of these just like great people giving seminars, talking to people, you know, getting the conversation going. And um, then we had a ton of vendors there. And I mean, it's just, it's such a cool environment. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's the beer fest and the beer fest is a fun one. Um, I mean, drinking or not, you know, whatever your take <laughs> is, it, that's a blast. It's just to see like all these like local breweries come out, everybody getting together, um, all the funds raised, go to, go to BHA and, you know, there's music and food vendors and, um, you know, just a fun night filled with a ton of people. Um, and then there's like the storytelling night. The storytelling night was really cool to hear some of these people get up and tell stories and, um, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff. And so the rendezvous is actually going to be in Boise this year and it's going to be pretty sweet. Like I think we're hoping it's going to be bigger than it's ever been because Boise is a little bit easier to get to than Missoula is um, a little more central to fly into. A lot of people are really stoked and like, yeah, I'm here next year. I'm going to bring a bunch of people with me. So it's going to be awesome. I think rendezvous is going to be huge and they have so many cool things planned already. So it's going to be just epic. I'm really, really excited for it. So that's what a lot of the Ido chapter is focused on is is making Rendezvous epic. That's super exciting. So when's it taking place again? Um, I want to say um, April. Don't quote me. Sorry. Um, I don't have a specific date yet, but 2018. It's spring. Okay. We'll say spring 2018. <laughs> well, gosh, I hope... If it's in April, I might be out of luck. We'll have to see. Yeah, it's um, you should try to go to at least. I it's totally worth it um, if you can make it work. Yeah, the month of April, depending on when it is, is difficult for me because uh, my company we put on uh, music festivals. Okay. And our two biggest music festivals are uh, are right at the middle and end of April. It's like basically those last three weekends of April. 
and then we we kind of move out there a week or two beforehand and we like live live out in the desert for a month yeah uh throwing these festivals so okay I'll have to uh I'll I'll keep an eye out and I'll have to try and plan accordingly see how everything's going and see how that lies with the festival uh yeah uh, the festival schedule um yeah there's there's not quite a date let's see I I'm pretty sure it's in April I just don't have dates so uh I yeah uh, well I mean I'll I've got a little bit of time before it happens to uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But, you know, planning planning helps. But, yeah, so um, April 2018, it's going to be a freaking blast. I'm so excited that it's here in Boise because Boise is so much fun. I mean, Missoula is awesome, but it, it'll be cool to see a change of pace for Rendezvous. So uh, That's super exciting. Um, so you uh, also uh, are, are with Sitka. Right. What are you doing for? Tell me a little about what. Uh, a little <laughs> bit about what you're doing for Sitka. So with Sitka, um, I, I mean, they're a blast to to be with and work with. Um, and I'm just one of their, I guess, technical brand ambassadors, a women's brand ambassador. So, um, you know, I I go to shows and um, get to talk to people about camo and you know be just an ambassador for the brand for the women's brand. And um, it, it was kind of fun like being able to like help out um with with getting the women's line going and getting the the gear you know finalized and stuff before it, it went out to production and and being a part of that was pretty awesome I mean I've worn Sidka since basically I started hunting like I my first couple trips I went out and tore my pants and I was miserable and wore camel and stuff and everybody's like this stuff is awesome it, it feels great and everybody knew it was wearing it I'm like all right I'll give it a try and of course was hooked and <laughs> never stopped wearing it. I was like, I can't wear anything else. It's just not going to happen. And so like, I was religious to it. Like I, I just loved it and would never wear anything else. Could never even think about wearing anything else. And I never even questioned it. I was like, I had the same pair of pants from them forever. And then, so it was like six years. I wore like the one same pair of pants on all my hunts. It like never changed. And it's just how it was. So I was like this, I'm keeping it. Like I will never change. I will never go anywhere else. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, I stayed with him forever. And then, you know, it got to know some people and, and started the conversation and, and, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So I go travel around to some shows here and there and, and, you know, just, chat with people at the booth and talk about gear and talk about hunting and um yeah it's it's just a blast so I mean that's my favorite part like we were talking about earlier you have to have the best of the best and and I mean yeah you don't have to have it but the the difference it makes in your overall morale on your hunt if you can be comfortable and you can have technical gear that's going to work for you it completely changes it. Like it, it changed it for me. Like I actually enjoyed being out there after that because I wasn't freezing or I wasn't wet or I wasn't like sweaty or whatever else. I was like actually comfortable. And I'm like, I can stay out here for a few more days. Like, this is awesome. I'm good to go here. So <laughs> I, I think just the overall change, you know, and like, cause it's gear. And I think somebody at one of the shows was like, this is basically just like, like technical gear this isn't clothes i'm like that's exactly what it is it's gear like your clothing is your gear i mean you're spot on (laughs) so it was just kind of like funny to hear him say that and me go yeah totally i mean you're exactly (laughs) right that's exactly what it is i mean if you if you use it you'll understand so yeah it's a blast fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. 
Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, uh, so I'm going to be a little bit selfish here. Oh, go for it. Uh, and I'm going to ask a question for myself. Uh-huh. Since you are uh, a resident Idaho expert here, um, what uh, you know? I'm coming. Out, I'm coming out uh, for for my trip in a week. What? Uh, let's let's do it this way. What's one thing I should really be looking forward to coming out to Idaho? Um, and what's one thing? Not necessarily that I should be concerned about, but what's one thing that I should maybe expect or be prepared for? So. Let's start with the the last one first. So the thing you can expect <laughs> that you should be prepared for, concerned about, is how much money you're going to spend moving here after you come here. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody, I swear, like this is a theme in Idaho. And it's so funny that I'm talking to you, but I'm going to tell you this anyways. Most people in Boise hate people from California. So if you're gonna <laughs> if you're going to have California plates, on your rig and you're going to be up here driving around like just be aware that most people around this area hate anybody from California just because I like we have everybody from California moves to to Boise everybody does and so like we're overtaken by these Californians everybody's like yeah where are you from I'm like born and raised here like are you serious I hardly meet anybody any any that's born and raised everybody's from california like five of my neighbors right now that surround me are from california and like one of the guys was like he came over and introduced himself he was like we're like yeah where are you from and he was like i don't know if i want to say and we're like oh no where he's like from california and i'm like oh okay and he was like the first thing i did when i moved here the very first day i lived here was went to dmv and changed my license plates (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah anyways but there's sidetrack side note there but uh, yeah, just I mean, so so obviously that tells you right there, people from California love it here. I mean, it's it's a beautiful place. <laughs> um, I, I mean, non-hunting wise, being I, I mean, it's just it's a beautiful place. It you can't deny that at all. I mean, anybody that comes here that's not that's never been exposed to like mountains like this or terrain like this is just like it's awesome. And I agree. Like I get to be in it all the time. And sometimes like I find myself taking it for granted and then, you know, the switch kind of flips. I'm like, you know, not everybody gets to do this every day. Like I do. Not everybody gets to go on these beautiful scenic drives and, and see all this stuff and, you know, drive through gorgeous mountains and see all these awesome sunsets over the mountains. And I'm like, this is pretty awesome. So that's definitely something you can look forward to. Um, hunting wise, I think you're going to have a blast regardless of what happens. Like, I think it's just going to be just, beyond fun for you whether you see animals whether you hear them i mean if you get into them if you don't get into them i think you're gonna completely enjoy yourself 100 percent. well i was just talking i mean i've said a couple times i was talking with uh cody rich uh, last week and he was asking me like what i'm most excited about and i was telling him is i've never heard an elk bugle in my life like i mean i've seen it on videos and i've you know but it's like I feel like a lot of people just kind of like do take that for granted some like not not in the way of like they don't appreciate it but more like they just don't realize that it's not like something everyone's used to. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's definitely like the the first bugle you hear you're just going to be like not even going to know it to you. you're just going to be like oh my gosh it's like it's going to make you excited and like nervous and like frantic and like anxious and like just 
all sorts of emotions. All the feelings. Yeah, all the feelings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're just going to be like going nuts. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I have to find him. But what I do, that was so freaking cool. And just like almost like shut you down right there. Just because it's like, because still, I mean, I don't think I ever take it for granted. Every time I hear an elk bugle, like an actual elk bugle, it's just like, holy crap, that's awesome. Like every single time, especially the closer you get to. I mean, I've, I've really fun um, elk hunting story from like one of my first uh, my first years hunting with a bow, um, my first year's elk hunting, it was my actually first close encounter with a bull. And I mean, I had a bull bugle like a foot away from me in my face. Oh man. Coolest freaking thing ever. I mean, and that was like one of my first experiences. I'll never forget that. And like that sound still like pierces my ears, but it's the most incredible thing. I mean, you will ever hear, honestly, and you'll never forget it either. I mean, it's going to be instilled in you. Oh, I can, I can imagine and I'm already, uh, I'm already definitely been, uh, Montana has always been first on my list, mm-hmm. but Idaho has definitely always been very close on the list too. Yeah. Um, where I've been, where I've been wanting to go, but I've always, I've always told myself, I'm like, okay, if I do move to Montana, it's going to have to be really close to the Idaho border For so sure. I can just hop over. And I've actually, I've got some good, uh, a good friend, actually another coworker who lives, who's a hunter. He lives in, um, he lives in Boise. Okay. And then I've got some good friends who moved up to Coeur d'Alene. Awesome. Uh, one of my, one of my longest, clo- longest term closest friends there, uh, there, he moved his family up to Coeur d'Alene for, uh, fortunately for, uh, uh, for him, he got out of Houston before all this happened. Oh, wow. They were in yeah. Houston just, you know, a, a year ago or two, a year or two ago. Holy and, cow. uh, so he is, uh, he's very confident in the decision he made to get, to, uh, get out of, out of there at the time, but. Yeah, I bet. Well, now he lives somewhere that's, I mean, I was in Houston not long ago and now he's living in Coeur d'Alene. Holy crap. Like that's yeah, amazing. No, I definitely, I was, I was looking, I'm, I'm going to be a bit far South. I was hoping, I was hoping I could, uh, I could find enough time to get up and visit him and yeah. come into Boise and visit my other buddies and do a little bit of traveling too. But I've, I've kind of decided to keep it, uh, all as much time as I can focused on hunting elk. Oh yeah. You know, if I, if I suddenly, if I suddenly get lucky, um, you know, within the first few days, then mm-hmm. I might, uh, I might go enjoy some, some barbecue with, uh, some, some barbecuing, some elk steaks with some friends, awesome. but, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you do end up doing that, let me know. Very definitely. Yeah. We're, we're around. You come over, we'll, we'll cook you up some antelope or something. <laughs> Jason ended up shooting one. <laughs> part two of that story. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, you know, there's not much antelope here. Why, why didn't, why didn't you take any more this year? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And you can leave my house now. Yeah. And see you <laughs> later. Uh, thanks for coming over. Never talk to me again. <laughs> meeting you from my friends on Facebook. And blocked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So as we're kind of winding down here, I always like to kind of finish up just with um, this podcast. Like I said before, it's it's really kind of aimed at folks who may feel intimidated by getting into the outdoors, whether, you know, they're new to it or there's someone like myself from the a city that doesn't have a history with it. Uh, what would you say to someone like that? What, uh, what encouragement would you give them? What advice might you have for that person? 
I mean, I, you're, you're doing it right. Honestly. I mean, you're learning as much as you can being a sponge and, and we kind of hit the nail on the head before is never be too proud, you know, never, everybody can always learn something. I mean, there's guys that I know that are like 60, 70 years old. They're like, I don't know everything. And, you know, I can learn more all the time. I think everybody needs to have that same kind of mentality, like always be accepting, like always learn more, always look to other people. Like, even if, I mean, this is what Jason has taught me a ton of, um, is, as I see him doing this all the time, like he's probably one of the most, not most knowledgeable people I know when it comes to hunting. And he's, I mean, he's pretty successful and he knows a ton, but when other people are like, cause some people will offer up advice, even if you ask them or not, like, that's just kind of how the hunting world goes. Sometimes, you know, get somebody excited. They'll just tell you what to do. But I, I kind of watch him and, and he just sits there and shakes his head and listens and, and kind of takes in what they're saying. And it's kind of like a sense of just, you're, you can always learn something from somebody, even if you feel like you might be right about it, you can always learn from a, somebody else's experiences and you can always learn something from them. So whether you're brand new to it or not, like asking questions, even if they're the dumb questions, like you were saying, I mean, even if they're dumb, it doesn't matter. Like you have to learn somehow. So it's either going out there all willy nilly with the bow and, you know, figuring it out and wounding stuff or taking dumb shots and stuff that, you know, uh, somebody that's experienced might not do, or somebody that might, you know, offer that information or, you know, uh, listening to podcasts or reading. I mean, I know a lot of like, you look at um, like Julie McQueen, like she's self-taught hunter. Like she went, she'll, she'll, tell anybody this I think it's really cool I admire her for it like she went to Barnes and Noble and read magazines and books and figured it out and you know <laughs> and she just kind of read up on it and you know I'm the I'm the type of person that like I can read but I I have to experience it so I kind of just went with someone um just to see what it was like and I mean I I think it's never a bad idea just to experience and that's how I learned how to do most things like fly fishing I learned how to do it by watching and I thought it was really cool. So then I started trying to do it on my own. And it's kind of that way with anything. So like hunting, especially like, like never be too proud, never be too proud to learn, never be too proud to try something. And it's, and it's intimidating. Like, don't be afraid to be afraid. Like, I feel like with anything, I mean, the second that you're not afraid is the second that something bad is going to happen, you know, or something potentially bad could happen, or you're going to make a mistake. And especially since you're out there, you know, gallivanting in the woods by yourself <laughs> i mean i swear i should have broken my leg multiple times and i still haven't yet or you know stuck myself i'm i'm a klutz so i've <laughs> hurt myself I, more than my fair share i am too i i i think about it yeah whenever i'm I, whenever i really think about going out i'm like oh man mm-hmm. i'm gonna that's the benefit of this being a solo hunt is I, I, you know, it'll be a bummer if I injure myself, but there won't be anyone, you know, to see when I trip on that yeah. branch and <laughs> scrape the side of my face down a nice rough tree or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason, but no, I think Jason's seen all my bumps and bruises and falls and scrapes and twisted ankles and twisted knees and. Oh man, it happens all the time. Like it got to the point where like I would fall down and he wouldn't even look back anymore. He just knew that I fall that I fell down and he's just like, all right, it's just keep walking. <laughs> Well, you even twisted your ankle during the antelope hunt, didn't you? Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, I did. During the the first week. It was a badger hole, believe it or not. (laughs) The badgers! (laughs) Badgers. I know, I should have shot that one, so I'd stop making badger holes everywhere. But yeah, I fell and twisted (laughs) my ankle on one of those hunts. And yeah, after that, Jason got it stuck a nice buck and shot him. So it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) I fell down and he kept going. It worked. 
Uh, there you go. Yeah, but no, but for sure. I mean, and I think you're doing it right, definitely. And it, it is intimidating. It is a little bit scary. And, you know, it's I, that's something that I sh- I've struggled with for a long time is I'm really intimidated. I don't want to go hunting by myself. So the fact that you're willing to do that is really impressive to me. Like, that's awesome. I don't. I don't know if it's if it's just I'm dumb or if I'm if I'm just no, t- like kind of have have that courage, but I'm, I'm I still haven't decided one way or the other if I'm just too dumb to be afraid. Well, I don't know if you're dumb. I I mean it might be being naive, but I don't think that's a bad way to be. Like sometimes I wish I was more naive. Sometimes I wish I didn't know as much as I know or see as much as I saw. Or I feel like I would be a little more confident sometimes. But you know, I I like having the the feeling of you know safety when I'm going with somebody else and um you know I'm getting to the point where I'm getting more comfortable by myself and some people are fine with it some people are like yeah whatever you know I'm I'm good to go but I'm I'm a little I can I kind of play it on the safe side most of the time so I'm a little more naive when it comes or a little more I guess safe and not naive when it comes to that stuff and you know I'm like oh everything's gonna happen a bear's gonna get me which probably isn't even the case <laughs> would never happen in a million years but you know me being me and and mostly it's me I'm like I'm gonna fall down and I'm gonna hurt myself and I'm not going to be able to get out of here is usually where my thoughts go. But, um, I think for a lot of people, it's, it's just not knowing where to start to, it's not knowing who to turn to or where to start or where to go when it's being too proud or whatever else. And I mean, don't be afraid to ask questions, pick what you want to do, decide what you want to hunt, and then start asking questions from there. And then the biggest thing I see is the lack of preparation. So like you've been you've done it right. Like you're completely, you've prepared yourself for a long time. It seems like I, I'm not sure how long you've been preparing yourself, but I think, uh, somewhere between a year and six months at this point. So, yeah. You, so you've taken the time to do it where I see people now that are like picking up like a bow and like, well, just getting it tuned and let's see how this thing shoots and going to go hunting next week. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Like, I, I just wish that people would be more, I guess respectful because I I feel like it's yeah. it, we owe it to the animals that we're hunting to be respectful towards them and I I hope that other people see that too I hope that new hunters understand that that it's not just about you going and killing something and saying oh I'm the mighty hunter I'm the mighty killer because that's exactly what you're doing is you're killing something you're taking something else's life and I would hope that other people could respect you know the animals that we're hunting enough to 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 that they owe them that respect. They owe them, you know, that because I get pretty emotional every time I kill something. Most people I know do. A lot of people won't admit to it. And some people just have no emotion. And I'm, I'm an emotional person. I mean, I just took something's life and I'm very appreciative to that. And that's what a lot of new hunters don't think about. And some of them are really sensitive to it at first. They're not sure if they can do it. Um, and some of them don't even think about it. Like, yeah, I killed something, but I, I think we owe the respect to train ourselves enough that we are going to make a good shot, that we know how to make a good shot, that we know how to properly dress the animals and take care of the animals and hang them and do whatever else. So we're taking as much as we can from the animal that we took its life to. I mean, we owe it that, right? So I, that's the biggest thing too, that I see that, that frustrates me with, with a lot of new hunters that, you know, there's just, there's a lot of respect that goes into it. And, um, and that goes to say for like, you know, the BAJ stuff too, like the respect for our lands, our public lands, you know, there's, it all kind of feeds back into itself and it all kind of works, works its way back around. So I think the fact that you've been preparing yourself for a, a while now and you feel confident and you feel, I mean, you've been shooting and you feel confident in that. I'm sure you've done your research on, you know, killing animals and dressing animals. And I mean, you, you clearly feel confident enough. And- oh, I've got, 
every book and membership yeah yeah so i <laughs> feel confident enough in, in all the research that you've done that you feel confident enough to go out by yourself is saying a lot as a new hunter so i mean i think more people need to take the diligence that you have you know as new hunters and do that whether it's learning from other people or you know asking questions or going out or you know i learned from other people and I learn by watching other people and that's how I learn some people learn by reading books some people learn by hearing stories whatever it is you know just learn learn as much as you can yeah and that's not to say like you have to be perfect when you go out like there's no way you're going to learn all the get all the knowledge but to be confident in the basics and the necessities of of what you're going out to do I think is definitely Super important. Oh, sure. um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I definitely tend to get caught a, up a little bit. Almost the same kind of thing with the gear where it's like, I'll get, I'll get myself a little worked up to be like, oh, I don't, I don't know as much as I want. You know, I mean, uh, I know, I know what I need to know to be able to go out, take an elk responsibly and, you know, dress it, field dress it, get it back, everything. I know what I need to know. Yeah. There's definitely tons more that will increase my success and all of this. But to some extent, it's the same, like I said, the same kind of thing with gear. I almost set the bar too high for myself and I, I have to catch myself before I start letting it like discourage me from going out. I completely, because I do that same thing. I, all the time, I overthink it. I overthink every aspect of it like i i'm to the point like sometimes where like all overthink i'm like do i actually know how to feel an animal like what am i doing out here by myself like i catch myself doing that stuff and i'm like i know how to do this i don't want to feel dress an animal like i know how to butcher the dang thing i know how to feel dress it. i know how to do all this stuff i know how to take care of the meat but i question everything all the time because i feel like i'm like can i responsibly take something else's life and feel like I'm actually know what I'm doing. So I question myself when I overthink it. And then sometimes I'm just like, okay, stick to the basics, like get there when you get there, you know how to do it. It'll take over. Your memory will take over what you've like been through a million times will come back to you and it'll take over and you'll be good to go. Just chill. Like I have to remind myself to do that sometimes too. Cause I'm like <laughs> too much, too much, too much overthinking. And like Jason knows that too. And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I tell him about this animal. I'm like, I'm overthinking. I'm like, I don't know if I'm even going to go. And he's like, don't overthink it. Just go. And so I just ended up being what I did. Like I had to make sure I was like, okay, I just have to get up early in the morning and go. And that's kind of how I pushed myself to do it. So yeah, I'm at, I'm at the point where I've kind of, I've got all my gear sorted for for the most part, like I'm waiting for like one last thing to come in the mail. It's not even important. Yeah. But all of that's kind of done. Like I've prepped all my food. It's like divided up and packed. And like, and so now I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, crap, what now? Yeah. I've got a whole week. <laughs> You're just anxious and now. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, it's, I'm like I said, I'm always listening to the, these podcasts and stuff and, and, it's it's I'm almost making things worse on myself because I've got all this idle time that's not taking up with immediate urgent tasks to get ready for the hunt. Yeah. And so I'm like finding reasons to make myself nervous about the trip to where it's like <laughs> you know, I'll I'll listen to something something is I'm not sure if you listen to uh the Rich Outdoors podcast mm-hmm. he did with Elknet. I don't know if I've listened to that one yet. Oh man, it's it's a it's it's a listen. It's I mean, it's like a three hour podcast. It's like a Joe yeah. Rogan level podcast there. But 
<laughs> it has <laughs> so much information. Like I, you know, I had it recommended to me. Uh, I hadn't gotten to it yet on my list with him, but I would I would recommend it to absolutely anyone because it has so much information. You need to listen to it like three times. Yeah. But I'll start listening to it. And I'll be like, oh, how am I ever going to be able to call in an elk now? Because I don't know all this. I'm like. I know enough it. to call in an elk. Yeah. I know I may not know enough to call in every single elk on the mountain. Yeah. Like like Paul does, but yeah. Paul's I know enough guy. to like I mean, he is bad elk caller. Like I'm actually, like Jason uses his bugle tubes and stuff. But oh yeah. I, he's an insane caller. Like it's awesome. Like there's the amount of knowledge this guy has. It's it's bizarre. It's like a, a full he knows the full language like yeah. i mean it's just you listen to him talk and the the knowledge that's just in, like packed into that brain yeah. amazes me i'm like i don't know how but then you know you look at something you've been doing you've been doing whatever it is for as long as he is and how quickly you can access that knowledge with such little thought it's got to, yeah. that's, that's what it's got to be like. And, you know, hopefully yeah. we'll all get to that level with, uh, with something to do with hunting one day, but. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I think you're good to go. I mean, honestly, calling elk, just don't overthink it. Like there's a million different things to do. And I think a lot of people like the information that he puts out there, I think is for people that have like hunted it for years and are starting to like get used to it and want more information, want to learn more, want to know how more. I think you, you're like at the point, cause I've I mean, I've called in stuff before and I'm like, I don't even know how the heck I just did that. Like <laughs> that thing shouldn't have came, come in. That thing should have just gone running the other way. And for some reason they're coming in. I'm like, all right, they're just a stupid bull. Like, I mean, bulls during the rut are just dumb, like just big, <laughs> dumb freaking animals. And so, yeah, I swear you can get away with a lot too. But I mean, I don't think you should be nervous at all. Oh yeah. I think well, that's good. That's all a product of this whole week. Of, <laughs> I'm like, just driving yourself crazy. Oh, absolutely. And I've like I've tried to ease off a lot of my like really hard uh, physical preparation, so yeah. I'm not so I you know I don't go into the backcountry starting off sore and tired. Yeah. And so I I don't don't have that energy outlet as much as hard as much as I did, and um I've just I've been busy and so I haven't shot as much this week as I normally would like to and I, so I'm just like I'm this ball of anticipation that yeah. is verging on complete explosion yeah. <laughs> like it's oh so oh gosh yeah no I definitely understand it but that right there like that'll just get you like even more jacked up for it and more excited for it so that's awesome oh yeah oh, I am I'm excited for you that'd be really cool well if people wanted to follow all of the uh, adventures online. Uh, where's the where are the best places to hunt you down? Um, I'm mostly mainly active on Instagram, and my Instagram's a little weird, but um, it's s80 number 80 underscore love, and it's basically my name Sadie Love. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember it wasn't until maybe about three days ago that I realized that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm a little slow. No, no, no. Um, Most people are like, what? S80? What does that mean? I'm like... I was thinking it was like a highway or something in Idaho. <laughs> like, no joke. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really funny. I like it. I was yeah. like, is that like a highway by her hometown or something? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Go with that. It works for me. <laughs> yeah, that's I need awesome. to find, yeah. The, find the S80 to, to get into Boise. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so it's just um, S80 underscore 
love L O V E. And then my Facebook is just Sadie Kennel. So um, I'm pretty active on Instagram though. Um, I, I do a lot of stories and post a lot on there. So if anybody wants to follow that stuff, it's a, it's a good time. It's fun. Awesome. Well, I will post up links to those on our show notes page. That's going to be livingcountryinthecity.com slash 34. Awesome. Um, 34. Uh, every time I say this, pro- almost every episode now, it's just like every time I read another episode number, I get super excited and and, and amazed that I ever made it past episode two. That's awesome. <laughs> I, you have good conversation. And I mean, and you're not afraid to admit that you're new and you're not afraid to admit that you have questions. And that's freaking sweet because there's not anybody out there who does that. And it's so refreshing to hear. Well, okay. Here's my other thing about that, too. That a little bit of that is self-serving because when you present yourself as like this big bad that's like knows everything, well, you damn well better be be know everything and then be able to take an animal and yeah. you know walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. I'm like I got no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, like it it puts a lot of pressure on me if I try and pretend to be this big expert. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Um, I mean, and who knows? You might not kill something. You might kill something. It's it's a lot. And I that's how I go into it every year. I might kill something. I might not kill something. That's hunting, man. That's how it is. Yeah. Well, I bought a chest freezer, so I have a dang well better kill something. I, yeah, you need to fill that thing. I think, you know, I'm confident. And you know what? You can always shoot a cow because the meat's go. good at least. <laughs> that's what you know that's that's what i figure i kind of i've been going back and forth on i'm like okay craft so you know i see a cow like third day in yeah like do i and and i have a shot on it do i take it i'm like i don't know yeah uh but i think i think i've kind of finally come to my decision and who knows this will all be out the window the second i hear my first bugle <laughs> i know um but I, i'm thinking like okay depending on how the hunt goes i'm i'm holding out at least for the first, you know, if I'm 10 days, including driving, you know, probably hunting, actually hunting for seven and a half days, something yeah. like that. Um, so, you know, first six days, if I just absolutely see him not seeing anything, not having any luck, not having any encounters at all. Yeah. Then, yes, if I see a cow in those last two days, I'm taking that sucker. But for sure. those first that that first week or whatever, the you know, that first chunk. I'm holding that. I don't care if it's a little spike or a raghorn. It, you know, I don't. I don't care if it if it has horns. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. Just yeah. Just and that I will admit is fully the pride of being me. And that's I'm awesome. like, I want to. I want to take a bowl. I don't yeah. care. Um, no, I get it. Like I, I feel the same way every every elk season. I'm like, I'm gonna get a bowl this year. But like, I've had spikes walking from me. If if I get a shot on the spike, I'm going to take it. But it depends on how far I'm in too. Like if I'm like five mm-hmm. miles in, I'm like, I'm not shooting a freaking spike to pack a spike five miles out. Like I'm going to make it worth my while at least. And <laughs> you know, when I get stressed though, and I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, I, I'm getting to the point. I'll shoot a spike. I'll shoot a cow. Like, do we need the meat? Do I not need the meat? Like right now it's like the pressure of like, or not the really the pressure of filling the freezer. It's like, cause we both shot elk last year. Um, Jason shot a moose a few years ago. He shot a white tail. I shot a mule deer. Um, he shot an antelope just recently. So it's like, we're still pretty dang good on meat. Like that's not, 
and and I give a lot of it away too. We both do. We give a ton of it away. So like if we did happen to shoot something, if we both did, we we'd just be giving it to family and be giving it away. So that's the nice part about it is we can help feed yeah. other people. But I mean that's kind of what it gets to be is we can be a little bit more selective because we're not looking to fill the freezer. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I've just finally kind of come to the decision. You know, a cow walks by me on the first, second, third day. I'm probably not gonna not gonna take the shot. Yeah. Just because I want to see one, I want to extend the hunt. You know, I want yeah. an excuse to extend the hunt, and and two, I just want to see if I can call in a bull. I that's. Wanna, I mean, that's I awesome. See it. And, yeah. And right now, you know, we, I talk a lot about setting measures of success and goals, and I, you know, I mean, just having an encounter with a bull, I think, is a huge measure of success for me. Oh, like, for sure. Whether, you know. Whether that's 200 yards and it spooks as I'm trying to get it in, or whether that's down to I just I get to draw on it, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that encounter is, but something that I can look at and be like, I had a, a, a serious experience and encounter with with a bull. That's yeah. that would be a huge measure. Of, that would be beyond like anything for me. So we'll see. Heck yeah, but That'd uh, be awesome. Well, good luck. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Holler if you need if you need help packing out anything I'm around. Definitely. I've got I've got a I've got a couple of I've got a couple of offers, so hopefully Sweet. hopefully I will need some help. Yeah, I'm hoping you will too. <laughs> but thank you so much for hopping on the show with me tonight. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, anytime. It was fun. It was fun, yeah, for sure. Any anytime you want to have a conversation and record it, I'm down. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 34 of Living Country in the City. Make sure you head on over to my show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 34 to get those links to Sadie's socials and go give her some love on Instagram. Make sure you follow along for all her upcoming adventures, which will hopefully be a little more successful than her archery antelope. Now, if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, make sure you don't miss out on a single episode by heading to your favorite podcast platform and searching for Living Country in the City. Also, if you visit any of our show notes pages, I'll have links out to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, and Podbean, where you can subscribe to the podcast. Now, if you already are subscribing, please head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating or review. It's really simple. It only takes a moment, and it helps the podcast grow like crazy. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. By the way, is it kennel? Yep. Okay, just wanted to make sure it wasn't like canal or yeah, right. something. I know. A, I usually get asked that. They're like, is it like weird or is it just like straight up canal? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, just uh, this is Sadie. See, now in my head, I keep wanting to say it, canal. Right. <laughs> yeah. it's, I screwed myself. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from Hunt Stand Presents. Anywhere, anytime, and on any device.